unnecessary intro song to totally waste your time. When was the last time you blocked somebody on social media? Yesterday, today, last week, never. I've blocked a lot. I didn't block somebody today. Or yesterday I unfriended somebody. Because they were being like a child on my on my Facebook. You know. Not adding to the conversation. Just kind of berating, calling names, <laughs> getting personal, not sticking to the topic. Um, and it seems like blocking is a convenient uh, feature, right? Have you seen the Black Mirror episode where they take blocking into the real world, into the real world where you can program your vision to fuzz out things you don't like? So if there was a person you didn't like, you know, if Timmy was bothering you, you could, you know, program your brain to fuzz him out. You could never see Timmy again. <laughs> Just a fuzzy blob. It's a pretty creepy episode, honestly. But, um, you know, I've blocked hundreds of people over the years, and I'm sure ten times that many have blocked or unfollowed me, you know. And it seems like an a feature that you just must have uh, on the internet in order to make it hospitable. I bring this up because I'm, you know, just watched a news story where AOC is going to be dragged into court because I don't know if you remember this news, but a group of far lefties uh, who didn't like Donald Trump sued Donald Trump for blocking them on Twitter. What a fun little suit. And the judges sided in their favor. Uh, both the original judge and the appeals court judge sided in favor of the citizens, saying that, you know, the president can't block uh, their voices. And I thought, well, that's kind of fair. That seems fair to me. Yeah. Um, if you're going to be in charge of everything, you should probably not be able to just completely silence your critics, even if your critics are irrational. Maybe you should be able to keep them away from your house, you know. But on social media, no. So, and AOC knows this. The precedent was set with him, but AOC keeps blocking people, and the judge just said, no, you got to stop, and she's not stopping, so now she has to go to court, and she's going to lose. So we'll see what happens when she has to unblock people. And I was just thinking, you know, that might be a good a good idea. I, I'm kind of under the... Uh, my My current thinking on this is that the Internet should have to run the way society runs. And uh, this, for a libertarian-ish type person like myself, who've always thought, well, private business is private business, this might seem like a um, a conflict. But I'm all about transparency and I'm against false advertising. I don't like a bait-and-switch. I don't believe a bait-and-switch should be able to be allowed to happen without consequences. You know, if you advertise a platform as being social 
That means society. That's the operating idea under social anything. It's a societal thing. So if something is legal in society, then it should be legal on that platform. Otherwise, it's a private platform. It's not really social. Private social, is that a thing? Uh, I don't know. Um, I think if you advertise yourself as being part of society, you've got to abide by society's rules. Like, And l- let me just explain how this would go. So... Um, some of my thinking is that I kind of want things to destroy themselves and not artificially be kept on life support. And I think these blocking features sort of artificially keep this disease of social media alive. You know, if, if I wasn't able to block anybody, well, I'm pretty sure I would have left all social media years ago. And hell maybe that's the very best thing that could have ever happened you know but that means other people in other words there's it would take a long time if you removed the ability for example you can't block somebody in regular life you can't say timmy i don't like you you're blocked timmy has to do something wrong first something wrong under the laws of the land which are governed by the Constitution. He has to directly threaten you, you know. He has to meet a certain criteria. It's kind of inconvenient that you can't block Timmy just because you don't like him, you know. You can certainly block him from coming into your house, but the Internet isn't your house, you know. Your wall isn't really your wall. It's a space on the Internet that lives on a server somewhere far away. There is plenty of buffer between you and Timmy on the internet. So all the analogies that people like to make about, but this is my private space. Ah, it's a fun analogy to make. It's convenient, but it's not really true. And by the way, I'm, I'm arguing against features that I'm glad exist, but... When you step back and try to look at the bigger picture, are we just enabling sort of a really false form of communication? You know, are we, by extending the metaphor of real life into virtual life, what favors are we doing ourselves or what harm are we creating when we try to compare the virtual world with the real world or try to drag our real world metaphors over there they don't really stick you know at best they're they're bad metaphors you know to say my wall i i hated that from the very beginning my wall it's not a wall it's a page it's a it's a space on the internet it's a god there's got to even be a better word than that because every time we're trying to drag um our uh Metaphors from the real world, a chat room. It's not really a room. You're not in you're not you're not in a room with anybody. There's no accountability from a room. There's no accountability that a wall only has a certain limited amount of space. You only have a certain amount of bricks in it that you can afford. If too many people get on it, other uh, other thoughts get clouded over. 
You know, there's a real management that has to happen in the real world that doesn't have to happen in the virtual world. You can't endlessly scroll a wall in real life. You know, even the Great Wall of China comes to an end after a certain uh, a number of days walking along it or looking at it. But there's those rules don't apply in the virtual in the virtual world. Um. It would be one thing if we were dragging our metaphors over to the virtual world and dragging the physical limitations of those things over with them, you know? Like my room. You're in my chat room. Well, how many people can fit in here before there's a fire code problem? You hear that? That's Dumb Dumb playing the piano. That song ends up being very similar, by the way. Each time she plays it. That one was a little longer than usual. Um, so yeah, if we were dragging the metaphors, dragging the physical limitations over with it too, then that would be one thing. Um, because look at the difference. I can't talk to a person. They can't even be in my room if they're in another country or even five blocks away. There's just no real comparison with online and virtual and reality none so clumsily you know dragging those metaphors into it I don't think does any any favors to anybody so even the idea of blocking you're blocked yeah is that good Does that help us with our real-world interactions? What about the virtual world is teaching us about the real world? Is there anything there that we're getting from the virtual world? I'm talking about social interactions. I'm not talking about just consuming information. You know, when you read a when you read a an online article as opposed to um, a newspaper. But even then, let's think about that. You know, there's no cost or so little cost involved in publishing on the internet that why even bother to fact check? There's just little accountability. You can put out an un, unthoughtful opinion out there, it costs nothing. You lose basically nothing if it goes nowhere. But if you've got to print an actual newspaper or a book, well, some more thought's going to have to go into it, you know? Some sort of strategy is going to have to go into it. But I'm kind of going off topic here about the blocking. I've had so many people over the years, you know, because a lot of the people that add me, you know, um, out of the, you know, 50,000 people that added me on Flickr, you know, a couple thousand on Twitter, and I never used Twitter really, and a few thousand on um, Instagram and these are all old additions too because I never went around trying to get ads but most people that added me um, on Facebook too are people that I don't know I mean you think I know 5,000 people of course I don't you know I barely know I I, I really believe in this uh, the idea that if you have five real friends that's three too many. <laughs> you don't need that many friends. And they certainly aren't friends. If, they, if you start counting up above 
you know, 10, you're getting into eh, acquaintance territory. Yeah, I met him. I know a little bit about him. Don't know much. Hell, we don't even know much about the people we... We don't even know much about our brothers and sisters, our siblings, our parents. Get into a long conversation with one of your siblings or your parents or your relatives. See how much you really know about them. Interview them. You don't know that much, you know. So this whole concept of having friends and followers on the internet, it's another just shit metaphor that we're trying to drag over from the real world into the digital world, the online world, the virtual world. I don't even like any of those words, you know. Um, but yeah, we can't, we can't really block people in real life. Oh, anyway, I was going somewhere with that. So, um, uh, these people that add me on there, I don't know who they are, you know. So I end up having a bunch of people chiming in on conversations, complete complete strangers who have added me for, for one reason or another. But most of the people who have added me, added me based on my old art career or my photography career, wherein I was photographing uh, people in the nude and juxtaposing them with contrasting thoughts and ideas to see if I could compete with a nude image and also heavily photoshopped nude image too. Basically a big prank that I was playing on on the fashion industry and the art community. I was basically jabbing at them because that's just kind of my nature is to always take jabs at whatever it is that's held up uh, to high esteem, you know. So... um a lot of these people added me for art. Oh, man, this guy, look at him, long hair, beard, naked chicks, uh, art, irreverent. You know, so they automatically just assume I probably have stereotypically art <laughs> politics. I don't even know why that stereotype exists, but let's acknowledge it. People assume that artists, especially the kind that delve into the arts the way I did, that they would... I'd, just be all far left and uh, certain parts of my politics do or used to be lefty politics so they were right a little bit but boy do they get disappointed when you know I don't turn out to be they feel like that they have been duped I think I think they would feel like I've been duped this guy presented himself as a far left San Franciscan when really he's a a rational person who actually thinks through issues one at a time and they don't like that so I've been unfollowed and blocked by many people who initially really liked me and yesterday and today and tomorrow will be no different you know you get these I'll get these inbox messages from foreigners who be like I'm going to be in San Francisco with my friends or whatever I'd love to meet you and take a picture with you and I look at their wall and I'm like I I'm not interested I I don't want to host them I don't want to have to be I don't want to have to meet them at a bar because I don't know how long it'll be I'm not good at getting out of a situation so I typically just ignore them and that doesn't work very well you know well, I've had different methods, too. I've been sending people voice messages. Anybody who adds me for the, about the last six months, they get a personal voice message from me saying hello because I'm trying to, again, now I'm trying to drag the digital world back into the real world 
by speaking. That's kind of what started this podcast, is my complete dissatisfaction with people communicating via text. No accountability to tone. Nothing. There's no... There's just no accountability on the internet. You know, Facebook tried to bring accountability by making us use our, air quotes, real names. But it's not really working because where's the accountability from blocking somebody? How do you block somebody in real life? Like, what would you have to do to block somebody? First of all, it's unlikely because they're going to have to go to extraordinary efforts to get in your face on a continual basis. Like, camping out on your front doorstep that's unrealistic. They're going to get hungry. They're going to get cold. They're going to have to go home at a certain point. They're going to have to maintain other parts of their life. But camping out on your virtual doorstep is easy because they don't have to go anywhere. They can do it from the comfort of their own bed. So already the metaphor sucks because there is no accountability. But let's say, um, but let's say just on the blocking end, you you uh, you try to keep somebody off your street. Well, that how do you do that? That's impeding other people's traffic. It's there's no accountability on the internet, and I think it's making the world suffer. Anyway, so if this precedent of not of Donald Trump not allowing uh, being allowed to block people were to cascade down to the rest of society if they were to say well you can't really block people in real life without reason can you i mean you can block them from coming into your house but a facebook page isn't a house by any means um who likes being blocked who likes blocking people well you might like blocking people, but it's a weird satisfaction, right? It's, it kind of, um, it, uh, it tickles your evil, uh, your, your, <laughs> your evil muscle, you know? It's like a, <laughs> watch this. <laughs> There's a sad, it's not a good satisfaction. It's not like the, like the satisfaction of a nice meal or smelling a flower or petting a dog, you know? It's the dark side satisfaction. So, if that cascaded down and I couldn't block anybody, if I couldn't manage my Facebook page or my Twitter page or whatever, if I couldn't just get rid of anything I don't like or anything that's bothering me, I would probably get off social media a lot more. And, huh... Would that be good or would it be bad? My suspicion is that it would be goddamn motherfucking fantastic. You know, these features that they're adding in that we can't add into real world are luring us in further to the addiction. You know, my ability to block or unfollow Things that I don't like is actually sucking me further into this lie that is social media. It's not really social. It's just not. None of the rules that apply in the real world apply on the internet. And when they when they when these companies cherry pick and try to pick one or two 
They want to say, well, this, in the real world, you can't do this, you can't harass, so we're going to apply that over here. Yeah, but you're applying it on a faulty premise because you're, you're, you're relying on a, a terrible assumption that this world is anything like the real world when it isn't, you know? Like, for example, a month or, a month or two ago, uh, I had a person who, um, whose name I recognized on Facebook and I, I recognized him as a fairly, you know, somewhat thoughtful. His posts were kind of clever, you know. Jokes, innuendos, you know, thoughtful little posts. But anyway, we dis- disagreed on something. I don't know what it was. But uh, uh, we were having an, a debate on the internet. And uh, on his wall, on his wall, I, God, I hate saying that. But um I literally don't remember what it was about, but things got heated and, you know, I'm kind of a stubborn person. So if somebody's not making a point, I like to point it out. And if somebody starts getting into a contest just to see who has the most stamina in a online squabble, well, I kind of like to see it through just because I've got that kind of stamina. I don't care. You know, I don't have to get to a job. So I can do that. If somebody wants to get in a tit-for-tat, I can do it. So he got frustrated, and then I went into a, a private message with him. And private message, which is just literally the exact same space, it's a click over. Like you click a reply, or you click a button to go to private message. You click, it's, we're not really changing rooms, we're not doing anything, but when I went into private message, he accused me of stalking him. Do you see how that metaphor doesn't apply? It's literally one millimeter, one click. I'm doing the exact same the exact same behavior with the tip of my finger on my phone. I'm clicking to this one or clicking to that one. But people have got this metaphor of the real world that they've they've glued it onto virtual reality and it couldn't be far farther from the truth. Going into private messages on Facebook is not like going into a private room. It's not like following somebody somewhere else. It's just not. It's the same method of communication, an electronic transmission that is being uh, stored somewhere else. There's no interaction face-to-face. But he went, you're stalking me. And this is after just clicking. I was talking with him on his wall, went into private messages because he deleted the thread you know, which is something also you can't do in real life. You can't just delete history, you know. It's really problematic. I hate that word too, by the way. But because there's no record of a conversation in the real world unless you're recording it with, you know, audio or video or something like that. Usually the words get said, they don't get recorded, and, uh, you know, everybody's relying on their memory. So there's no... There's no metaphor that translates to that world anyway. But following him and going into private messages to communicate, you know, he was upset because he wanted to have the last word. And that was the thing, you know, by, cl- by closing down that message thread and erasing all my contributions and locking it off. That was his final word. But of course, going into private messages and then he blocked me. So he finally got the, the last word. That doesn't happen in the real world and wouldn't happen in the real world at all because I would have to, uh, I'd have to put on my pants, I'd have to stand up, I'd have to get in my car, I'd have to go to his work 
There's no, or as home, there's no similarity between online communication and real-world communication at all. And I think we need to stop trying to reason with it. And maybe it's just our human limitation that we are unable to, you know, not make the analogy between reality and virtual reality. Like we haven't even really come up with a way to explain how different communication is now. And it is so different. We we don't think it is because we haven't, I don't think we can comprehend how different it is. It's way different. It's not even like the old days of letter writing, which letter took a long time and it's just that one letter and you had to pour over it and open it and feel the paper. You know, I'm starting to sound like a Luddite here. But it's not like the telephone where, you know, you're holding the telephone, you know, it rings, the person, you know, I'm talking about before voicemail. But even then, a phone call, real-time, linear, is nothing like text messaging. Nothing. Where you can just respond in your own time. Think about it. Don't even have to use your voice. Don't have to use it. There's no accountability for your tone. If you're crying, you can hide it. If you're laughing, you can hide it. You can say you're laughing when you're not. You can't do that with your voice. You can't do that with real, real, real world communication. Being physically in the same place with a person, you basically, there is no online analogy to physically being in a room with somebody. And I'm sure you've experienced this before. And we all have now where we know people from online and suddenly we see them at the grocery store and they say, hi, I'm this person from online. And it's just like, whoa. Suddenly, like magic, they materialize out of thin air and they're a real person. And the interaction at that moment is bears zero resemblance to the online interaction, but yet we drag all that online, that that phony misrepresentation of communication. If online is communication, it, it is obviously communication, but it bears no resemblance to the thousands and thousands of years of conversations and social interactions to which people have uh, become accustomed. And, you know, we've adapted... Well, should we have? We've evolved using old sets of communications. So, I, I just, I, I, I just don't see there being, and I, I, and I'm not talking about the other part of the internet, which is the consumption of um, data and information, like YouTube and watching videos of people talking and explaining things that they know things about, professionals and just great thinkers, that's fantastic. And being able to read literature and all that stuff is great, but it's, I'm talking specifically about the social, air quotes, social nature of the internet. 
which I just don't see. I don't see an analogy between reality and what happens online fitting at all. None of them. I don't see any of them fitting. And I can't... I'm trying to find... You know, it's it's hard to find a way to make that seem valuable. You know, you could say, well, it's giving a voice to those who haven't had it before. You know, the shy person who didn't have a connection to a society or to his social group, you know. He, he couldn't get a leg up, can now formulate an idea and communicate, you know, behind the wall, behind the screen. And you think, yeah, mm, it's a pretty good one. But is it? Or is that kind of like giving nursing a weaker part of society to take over? Is it, you know, that you can get really super Darwinian at a certain point on this. And that's not my intent. I'm just saying when you, when you try picking it apart, um, anything you can say is a good feature of it. I don't think it's that hard to offer a contrarian point of view and say, ah, slow down there, partner. I would, uh, this would be a good topic for me to interview somebody who had contrasting ideas with me. But anyway, yeah, blocking. Blocking. It's not, in the real world, blocking is super dramatic. It's super easy on the internet. And I don't think that ease of blocking is works with our evolution. We haven't caught up. I don't think that there's an accountability there that needs to be there. Blocking somebody in the real world, super dramatic. You have to file police reports. You got to move your house. You got to hide. You got to change your identity. You've got to shoot them or kill them or threaten them. In the real world, blocking couldn't be a more dramatic event, severing ties, you know, completely, saying you are dehumanized, you are, you are no longer, you're depersoned as far as I'm concerned, you are dead to me. In real life, that's a lot of effort. Online, click, you're dead. Click, you're dead. Click, I have control. It's no wonder it causes so much strife. I've been blocked. You know, even if you don't want to, it's like, why did you, you, <laughs> you know, it just doesn't work. Anyway, um, to leave you with some, uh, a more of a positive, uplifting, on an uplifting note, I think. What I'm observing about the world is that these new kids, these Generation Z, they're all getting off of the Facebooks and the Twitters and this. They're getting, they're going away from the text-based communication and getting back into video chatting, FaceTiming, when they're, when they're video games, they're actually, sure, they're going into vi- virtual rooms, but at least there's some sort of virtual presence where they all have characters. They're using these little headsets and they're actually talking to each other. So you got five people with microphones and headphones in a virtual room and they're talking to each other. The people that are really having a hard time with it are fucking boomers and Gen Xers like me, you know. Um, these other kids, I think there's 
they're going back to the old way. Uh, not completely, but I think that's probably the next step. I think probably the next step is going to be a weird de-evolution where um, they they meet online in their video game chat rooms or their Snapchats or their FaceTimes, and then they use that as a way to even because they're going to they're they're escaping authority, they're escaping the Zuckerbergs, they're escaping the Dorseys, they're escaping all whatever authority wants to control them. They are finding a way, and I think the next step, which is probably already happening, if I had kids that age, I'd be able to tell you. But I think the next step is that they figure out a way to sneak out of the house and meet up in real life, and of course they are going to. So that's the good news. I think the good news is that this is a momentary blip in our human existence. I think this is going, we're going to look back at Facebook and Twitter and all this social media and think, oh, what a fucking weird thing that was. Remember back when you used to be able to block people? <laughs> Because they, you invited them into your life in the first place in an unrealistic way, you know. That's the weird part. You're blocking somebody that's not even really in your life. The blocking is redundant, you know. Anyway, that's enough of that. Thanks for listening.